So I remember, uh, for me, I remember a lot of conversations I had with people over the years that kind of guided me through life. I remember the conversation I had with Bruce where he told me that, man, your brothers were more important than the girls. And then he actually told me and he taught me that basketball was actually in between you. It was your brothers, then basketball, then girls uh, in that order. Uh, I remember the conversations I had with uh, my buddy Devin for a season of time and how he, he knew that I wasn't going to stay together with this girl, Nicole, I was dating. And when he met Heather, he knew that that was going to last. And he told me that. I will always remember the conversations uh, with Dan uh, that I share on the inside of financial stability and, uh, and the inside of handling my money. And, and Heather and I sat down with him. And I'll mainly remember those because I feel like I'm ganged up on every time we do that, uh, both because I don't, I don't share the same understanding that uh, they do. Uh, they did everything short, but then like beat me over the head with it and get me to submit. Uh, I remember the times that I sat down with John, uh, another mentor in my life, and he shared with me the values of marriage and the values of commitment, and he helped me understand what I had signed up for after I'd already signed up for it. Uh, Conversations with my buddy Ryan, as I reference often about Ephesians 5 and the idea of living a life of sacrifice, uh, and specifically even into my marriage as well. And I remember the conversations that I had with Tim when we first, like I said, we first started this idea of church and the boundaries of ministry that he, that he, that he told me about and how it was, uh, it was of a higher level, um, those boundaries and family was at a higher level than even being a pastor. And he instilled that in me. I remember uh, the numerous conversations that I even continue to have with my dad and his mindset of everything is going to work out. That's his mindset. Everything's going to work out. You don't even have to worry about it. Remember the conversations with my mom on the latest and greatest, newest thing that she's seen on the news, uh, either about a new drug or a new theory or a new idea, and how if it was on the news, it's truth. And, uh, and I'm, I, 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 mom, you know, I know she probably isn't listening because she doesn't know how to work the internet, but that's what I'm glad for. She doesn't know how to work the internet. <laughs> Because then I'd be getting those conversations all the time uh, about what is, what is truth and what isn't and what I should be doing uh, to change based on what she's heard. Um, and I, every week, uh, you know, I'm blessed with the opportunity to stand up here and talk to you um, about life and tell you the values of life, uh, the precious moments we have. And, 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 and I share even with you oftentimes the conversations that I have with God. And the way he speaks to me, the way he's working on me, and if, you, if you've been around not long at all, I say, man, you just get to hear about what God's really trying, getting, trying to get me to do. Uh, not that I have figured it out, but he's really imparting on me in those conversations. And I, and I wish that those were the lessons that rang true in my life, like I could hear those lessons and immediately apply them and not, uh, not live differently or not learn them in a different way. Uh, because what, what is most of the time true for me and the voice that usually wins out in my life is the lessons that I like to call my parenting style, also my lifestyle, is trial and error. Try something and it doesn't work out. And that includes, and that's oftentimes what happens is it doesn't work out, but uh, that is to include the lessons that God uh, lays on my heart and, and teaches me and then I go off and do it my own way and then I realize 
when it's all said and done that I had done it the wrong way and that I need to come back around uh, to what God has for me. Uh, today we're going to start this new series, uh, Chasing the Wind. I'm really, really excited about this series. Um, and, and, and I find it weird. I found it weird when I was really feeling that and I was really writing it down. I was like, man, I'm really excited. But Here's the, 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 the disclaimer is I'm really excited about whatever God lays on my heart to share with you. So it's not like some weeks I'm just like ho-hum, you know. Like what God has put on my heart is exciting. And, but specifically with this series, and it's been growing and growing uh, as I've gotten into this book of Ecclesiastes. And hopefully today just wets your taste buds for what God has for us in this book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Like I said, I sat down with a couple guys the other night to talk over this 12 weeks, these next 12 weeks, and what God's kind of laid on my heart and laying on their heart and what you're going to hear from God during this time. Uh, And the consensus for the book of Ecclesiastes was really mixed as we discussed this. Um, And we talked about how it's kind of really an intimidating book. Um, and, and how um, we, we viewed it kind of in different ways and the negativity that might be in it. If you read ahead, there's a lot of negativity in the book of Ecclesiastes, which kind of is unparalleled. Maybe you hear some in the book of Job, you know, and things like that. But, man, what's going on in the book? If you don't team it with a certain mindset or a certain idea, you could just find yourself in a weird spot when you read it. And so overwhelmingly our hope is to communicate... Um, what I feel the overall message is in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is that message of hope, that message of uh, kind of that idea like I laid out, the many conversations I've had with people to teach me lessons throughout my life. Um, and we talked about specifically how reading through this book of Ecclesiastes, if you knew the author, you'd be like, man, that guy, he's sitting right here with me and we're having this conversation. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. Uh, it's overwhelmingly thought that he is uh, the author uh, based on uh, numerous different things. But the imagery I get, and it's overwhelming, we talked about this as, as uh, the network of pastors. And just so you know, like all the Christ the Kings this summer are going through the book of Ecclesiastes. So there's thousands of people in Whatcom County that are focusing on this book for a season and a period of time. Right now, every year we do one series like this, the talk for this next year is we're going to do uh, three. We're going to do a summer series together, and we're going to do Christmas and Easter together as a whole network of churches, uh, the six Christ the Kings that are under our network, and so, uh, which is great. But the overwhelming imagery we all got is that Dos Equis guy, you know, the most interesting man in the world, uh, and, he's, and it's, it's commercial, stay thirsty, my friends, you know, and it's about the Dos Equis beer, but uh, sitting down with Solomon It's like you're sitting down with one of the most interesting guys in the world. And we'll get into more of who he is. uh, But the writing styles and everything, and then verse 1 leads us to know that it is Solomon. So the words of the teacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. So uh, those words alone lead you to draw the conclusion that Solomon is the author. If you don't know Solomon, uh, he is the son of David, which is the greatest king uh, of Israel really ever. Uh, It's thought of that. And uh, one who, uh, in Samuel, it's recorded that David wrestled a bear and a lion. Uh, He also is the one that killed Goliath um, with a slingshot but also pinned the hope and the hallmark words that we have in Psalms. 
So uh, Psalms being maybe a book that's almost exactly opposite of Ecclesiastes in, in, its, in its theme, but it's recorded uh, also that Solomon, so Solomon's the son of David, and it's recorded that Solomon, Solomon quite possibly could be the most wealthy man to ever walk the planet, ever, like from all the way back then to even today. It's thought of that you take like the wealth of Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, put it together, and it's still not what Solomon's wealth was. Uh, so much so that Jesus himself even references the wealth of Solomon as to be not great in stature, but great in amount of wealth that Solomon, uh, Solomon has. Uh, he, he's also referred as a very wise person, quite possibly one of the wisest people uh, at, especially at that time, uh, to walk the earth. And so combined with, wealth, uh, combined with that, his wisdom, uh, he built temples and gardens that are unparalleled uh, even today, uh, fame beyond measure. Um, and then we'll get into some of the stuff that we'll get into throughout this book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was a ladies' man. So Solomon had uh, thought of at least 700 wives. Okay, and then he had like, 300 or so side uh, girls that he was hanging out with. So uh, not that that, that isn't, uh, and again, when we get into this, that'll make sense as to why we reference that. It's not like that is like the, the, the pinnacle we're looking for, um, not what we're teaching here. Um, but uh, it makes him an interesting man to say the least. An interesting man to say the least. Uh, a guy who... Really, uh, based on culture and wealth and wisdom and everything, had it all. He had it all. Everything, uh, you know, a, a human, feeble human mind could want, he had access to. And he had tried it all. He had lived all of those aspects in his life. And as we read Ecclesiastes, we get to sit down with what is thought to be with Solomon at the end of his life as he does what a loving father might do, one that is passing on the wisdom that he had in the life that he lived, and he sits down to have this conversation with us, maybe around a crackling campfire or on the couch in our living room just sitting there to have this conversation with us. Maybe it's you have those conversations, the deep, meaningful life conversations around a dinner table um, or like a long conversation with just you and a friend in a long road trip together or uh, as you ascend to the peak or the pinnacle of a, of, a, of a strenuous hike in the conversations you have on the ascent and on the way down. We get to sit with Solomon and have these conversations with him. And to me, it's, it's kind of crazy that chapter 1, verse 1, reads like this. The words of a teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Cynical, right? This guy has had it all, and he says, man, it is all meaningless has no value. So in order to, we actually uh, get that first verse of the words of a teacher. 
And, 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 and my hope is in this that we actually get to whoever it is that's up here, whether it's me, Sven, or Josh, or any of the guys that come up here over this summer and teach this series, is that we're not necessarily learning from, you're not learning from me. I'm not the teacher that's referenced here. Solomon is. And, and, and God's word is. And, and what he wants to pass on to us is the lessons that we're learning. Right, and so uh, the teacher, the first blank in your outline is the teacher lives the lessons. So for Solomon, like I said, he had lived the life. He had done the things, all of the things, right? And in doing that, he now, uh, have, having lived that lifestyle, he now uh, wants to pass on all that he has learned. And so I, I, I think of, for us, uh, the, the lessons that we learn in life that have the most value are the lessons that we've learned through experience, right? I mean, some of you, I've got some brothers that are knowledge hounds and can grab a hold of all the knowledge in the world. But even in that, even if you're highly intellectual and knowledgeable about what you read and what you read, most of what you really, really becomes applicable in your life are the lessons that you've learned. And Solomon has gone down that road a time or two. And Solomon has learned the lessons. And what's great about him as even identified as the teacher is he stands up and waves his hand and says, I have gotten it wrong. It's the lessons that I've learned that have taught me what I'm about to teach you. And the way that I did it was the wrong way. And I want to share with you the right way. The words of the teacher, Song of David, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And what Solomon is saying here is, 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 is it's right after he's lived it, he sits down with us and he says it's meaningless. The translation in this in, in different Bibles that you might have is, is the idea of vanity. That it is all vanity. It is all futile. It's empty. Life and, and, and what I've done and maybe what you've done is, is pointless. The life that I lived, Solomon is saying, was a fraud compared to the life that I'm going to tell you about. But if we get down to the true meaning of what Solomon is saying here and, 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 and kind of define that idea of meaningless, that idea of vanity, that idea of it being futile. He uses this word, uh, hebel. I only know it because my software told me what it was. Um, hebel and this idea of breath or uh, vapor, as we sang about in this song that we introduced today, this idea of, of, of you, if you, uh, I slept out in my hammock on Friday night. I just want to brag a little bit. It was a lot of fun. First time ever, but I got up in the morning, even on a sunny day, and I kind of opened up my hammock and I, breath, and I breathed the breath, and you could see your breath. So on a cold day, when you breathe that breath, it's like that breath comes out and you see it for a second and it's gone. Right? We had uh, Josiah, the two-year-old that was hanging out with us for this year as we fostered him, and, and he would love to go out on the deck and catch bubbles. 
right? I mean, you're, you, if you've got kids when they were little, that's what they love. Like, you blow the bubble, and they're like, ah! It's like Disneyland to them, right? And, and he got frustrated because he'd see those bubbles, and he'd try to grab them, right? And as soon as he grabbed them, what happened? They popped, and they were gone. And he was like, even sometimes he got frustrated because he couldn't grab a hold of it. Couldn't grab a hold of the bottle. I mean, he wanted those things because that was what was bringing him. Both him and Charlotte loved those. I mean, they asked in the middle of winter in the 12 inches of snow, can we go do bubbles? You know, like, uh, but that's what they wanted. They were chasing and grabbing after these bubbles. And that's what Solomon is saying here. He's like, it's like a vapor. It's like a breath. It's like the wind. It rushes through. You can't grab hold of it. The way I live my life, you can't grasp it because it's meaningless. The one thing I want for all of us to do this summer is to interact with Solomon, to feel like you're sitting down with him physically and hearing him teach you these lessons and experience it and, 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 and hear him tell you about how he tried to grab hold of it through wealth and how he tried to grab hold of it through uh, the women that he had, and how he even, known as the wisest person, there's a chapter in in there where he says his wisdom didn't even lead lead him towards the meaning, the true meaning of what he wants for us. I tried it, and I just couldn't grab a hold of it. So my question for you as we go through this chapter is, is there value to your breath? to your life? And, and, and is there value to the breath that God has given you to breathe in your life or are the, the things that you are doing in your life a lot like your breath on a cold day, visible for a second and gone? You can't grab hold of it and it doesn't have meaning. And, 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 and honestly, for me and what I've understood is that even you come on a Sunday and you hear from me and I'll, you know, and, and I'll be teaching and Sven will be teaching and we'll be learning from Solomon. But in the grand scheme of things, unless you make the choices in your life, unless you interact with it yourself, merely listening to what I'm saying or what uh, is being said, it, 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 won't, it won't land and there won't be a lot of meaning to it. And so um, you've got to actually wrestle with it. And I want you to wrestle with it. Um, Thursday night, I had a plumbing problem at my house. My uh, preteen daughter, uh, bless her soul, uh, came up to me and let me know that the, 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 clog, the drain was clogged downstairs. Now, I, I will admit to you, the way I reacted is meaningless, utterly meaningless. Blaming her instantly for the makeup parties that she's had with friends and the hair. And I hadn't had to clean the downstairs drain yet. I'd cleaned our drain quite often. Um, and, uh, and I immediately went to blaming her. And then I realized that it wasn't her. And so I had to apologize. But I wrestled with this plumbing from about 8.30 until after midnight. Okay? And called friends and got tools and like, Man, it was, it, was, it was a wrestling match. But, but that's the imagery I got from what I would want for you guys is to just wrestle with the text of Ecclesiastes, to get into it, to spend time in it. And so one thing we're going to do um, 
is each week we're going to have these for you. So this is a uh, kind of an inductive Bible study or a, a way that we're going to study the a book of Ecclesiastes in a discipleship kind of way where I want to almost cause you to wrestle with it. And so up here on the stage, back in the back by the, by the Welcome Center, and as well as back on the table on your way out are these pro-apt Bible studies. And this is just a very tangible way, like if you haven't dove in to read, or maybe you have dove in to read a, a book of the Bible or a section of text, and you're like, you read it, and maybe you're like me sometimes, and you're like, okay, like, what was that supposed to mean? Like, what am I supposed to take away from this? Like, I don't even know, and then you put it away, and you get distracted, and move on to whatever else that you have going on, but this ProApt is... Um, uh, Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship put this together, and so we're kind of ripping them off as far as this guideline that they, with permission, um, the guideline that they use to walk through a text. And so what I want for you guys is when you leave here, hopefully everyone, uh, there's 150 days, so there's plenty, take one with you. And so for next week, we're going to do Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And so what I want you to do with chapter 2 this week is walk through this guide on chapter 2. So you're in chapter 2 and experiencing it in such a way that when you come on Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning for the next 12 weeks, um, it, you will have wrestled with the text a little bit, and then whatever is presented, whatever we hear from Solomon together, we're at even a better spot with what he presents to us. So the idea is, perhaps, is first you pray. Man, pray that... Uh, that the Lord would teach you and lead you through a time of reading scripture uh, and you know, telling God that you trust that he's gonna speak to you through it. And then you go through and actually read the, uh, the chapters, the chapter that we're on. So next, this week will be chapter two. Uh, if you have um, the YouVersion app, which I use often, it'll read it to you. So like you can just go Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter two, and then down at the bottom is a little circle, and you hit play, and this like computerized voice reads you uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. And it reads it slow enough, because the idea is read it one, two, three times slowly through. And then observe. Ask yourself the questions like, what is, uh, what is it saying about God? What is it saying about me? Uh, who is this about? How and why? Right? And then uh, looking at the idea of... Um, paraphrasing it in your own words. Like, well, well, this is what chapter two says, and you put down some of your own words about what Solomon maybe is struggling with, right? And then uh, the last three steps there are apply. So now what does this mean to us right now, right? What truth should I believe? And then I love this one. Is there something you can do in the next 48 hours to apply this to your life, whatever the lesson may be? And then you end with this prayer of, uh, in a way that I pray, uh, is this prayer of adoration, thanking God for who he is, confession, you know, if you're like me, you don't need help on what you need to confess to God that you want to give back to him, uh, thanksgiving, and then supplication, which is asking God of things. God, help me with this. God, please please help me in this area of my life or what I'm doing. And that just kind of gets us to the point where we exalt God, we thank him for who he is, we confess to him the way that we've let him down, we thank him for all that he's doing, and then as well as asking of him. And then the last step, 
And this is the true step of discipleship is you tell somebody about it. Uh, maybe a spouse, maybe you'll read this together with a teenager or uh, your uh, a child that is at a level that can understand some of this, but basically your idea of telling people what God is working on in your life. And in a sense, that's discipleship. Connecting with God, learning from God, applying it to your life, and then sharing that with others. And that's ultimately what we want to do as Christians. So please pick one of these up, uh, take it home with you, do chapter two this next, uh, this next week. Um, and so that's the pro-apt uh, idea. Now Solomon uh, had uh, come to this understanding himself. Uh, I'm going to skip to the last uh, uh, text in your outline. So it's in uh, Psalms, uh, Psalms 62. But um, uh, if you remember, King David was Solomon's dad, and he wrote uh, what, like I said, is probably the opposite of the book of Ecclesiastes, in that it's all praise and worship and, and like hopeful text, which actually Ecclesiastes is very hopeful as well when you get down to the, the meta mess, message of it all. But uh, so David had penned most of the book of Psalms. Um, and if you, and I don't know where you fall, uh, you might relate more to the book of Ecclesiastes, this idea of um, uh, the cynicism that's in it. Like, I mean, how many of you wash your car once a month? Every six months. Right? Once a year? Right. The theory behind that is it's going to get dirty. Like, why would I wash it? Like, it's going to get dirty. So, and that's what Solomon is saying here in this. Or like, I don't know why I continue to pick up after my kids. Right? Because an hour later, the toys are right back on the floor. Why don't I just leave them there, save myself the 20 minutes? Or like, what David wrote in the Psalms, where it's just all about positive and praise and all that kind of stuff. So you might fall on either side of that. But uh, David writes this. David, Solomon's father, writes, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation, my honor, uh, depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in him in all times. You people pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn but are a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. And so what David is saying there, the importance, the essence, the, the number one lesson in life is that I want you to hear that God is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my constant. He is my walls. He is my everything. And what Solomon teaches is through his experience of how he trusted in other things other than that rock and refuge that his father declared over and over in the book of Psalms. For Solomon, he chose fame and power and money and amazing temples and all the women but he would say in the end, those were the wrong choices. He would say in the end that he wished he would have listened to the words of his father. The wise words of his father. In Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, he says, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. There is 
Is there anything of which you can say, look, this is something new? It was already here long ago, and it was here before our time. And I love the words that we sang in Beautiful Things, the song that, we, that Price and I didn't really talk about, but the, knowing the connection here is that God, the refuge, the strength, the, the security makes everything new. And Solomon's words here are saying, all the things that I've chose have been chosen over the years, over and over again by everybody. And the more and more I get into this book of Ecclesiastes, I honestly think this is the most applicable book for our generation. For what all we struggle with in life, I don't think there could be another book of the, I mean, Maybe it's because I'm just so hyper-focused on it right now, but the things that he deals with and the, the lessons that he's teaching in there are very, very applicable for what we're dealing with in our lives. And it's Old Testament writing. Nothing is new. All the things that we struggle with, that you struggle with, and that I struggle with, people have been struggling with those things for generations. Our parents' parents' parents struggle with those things. And yet we continue to struggle with it. And so Solomon sits down with us and says, man, if I could give you one message, all these things that we struggle with, they're meaningless. Yet we give them so meaning. They're pointless, but yet we focus on them so much. They're futile. They're here today and gone tomorrow, but we grasp onto them only to realize we can't grab hold of them. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. You're going to hear that specific phrase, under the sun, 30 plus times in this book of Ecclesiastes. And what it talks about specifically is, is what I've just kind of laid out for you is everything under the sun like small s-u-n. And that's Solomon talking about everything that's been done here on this earth that is meaningless and point, pointless. I think that's my phone connected to my computer. It's not ringing. Is it the... We could answer it and be super funny. Oh, it's not me. Is it your phone? Who's... I want to answer it. Like, this is, this is, like, I've dreamt of this moment in my life. To be like, sorry, I'm at church. Say hi to everybody. He, it came right at the meaningful time, too. But Solomon is talking about this idea. That has never happened. Seven years. And I, that was the one opportunity I had to answer the phone during church. Man. Um, but this idea of under the sun. This idea of Solomon saying everything has been done under the sun. And what the overwhelming lesson we'll learn over and over as he talks over the many things that he focused on in his life that under the sun it is all meaningless but under the sun, capital S, little O, little N, or capitalize them all for, uh, for more meaning, um, is of high meaning, like his dad said, is of value, is of uh, of, of, of what drives us in life. And so I want to encourage you that the choices that we have, and I love that this is a, we, I don't even know that we, 
thought of this, but it's going to be over the summer, and so uh, your choice is the sun, and I mean, we're light again this week. This is camping season, right? So your choice is under the sun, or spend some focus on under the sun. Not that church is that. It isn't. But spend the time, this pro-rap Bible study, I hope, gets you to do things that maybe you haven't done in the past. And taking a look at the things that we're doing as a church and focusing on under the sun, under Christ, under God's authority, under him as our strength and our refuge and our fortress as we kind of go through this together. Kind of as excited as me? Maybe a little bit more excited? All right. Church, let's pray. Worship team, I'll invite you back up to the stage. Let's pray.